You're listening to episode 116 of Reframe Your Life. I'm Sandy Reynolds, and today my co-host Patty M. Hall and I are interviewing Beth Wyatt, author of The Calm and Cozy Book of Sleep. If you have ever had any issues getting to sleep, staying asleep, or waking up in the morning, this episode is for you. Thank you for joining us today on Reframe Your Life. Our guest today has been on Reframe Your Life in the past to talk about her work as an insomnia and self-care coach. Today, we welcome her back to talk to us about her new book, The Calm and Cozy Book of Sleep that came out on August 4th. And although her book is not a memoir, it is a book that came out of her own experience. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Well, it's tonight while we're recording. I don't know what time it will be when you're listening to it. But before we get into the book, let me tell you about Beth. First, she's one of my work BFFs. When you work from home, and more and more people are now and are self-employed, you need people to connect with who understand what you're doing. And although Beth and I work in very different areas, we understand the challenges of self-employment. And we text back and forth probably a couple times a week about uh, things we're working on and to get each other's input and feedback on our work. Beth describes herself as annoyingly creative, painfully introverted, but great with people and hopelessly low maintenance. And in addition to being an insomnia and self-care coach, she's a social media influencer, a podcaster, a blogger, and author. She's certified in sleep sciences, life coaching, and meditation and mindfulness. She has a beautiful website. You want to just pop by and visit her website and she'll tell you where you can find her later, but she has a beautiful website. She's the host of the Calm and Cozy podcast, where she tells her story while educating listeners on achieving the healthiest, most natural sleep possible. It's Beth's mission to help women embrace sleep as the ultimate act of self-care and self-love. So welcome back to Reframe Your Life, Beth. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, it's great to have you, and you'll notice I've upped my game. I have a co-host now. I have Patty Hall with me, and Hi, we're Patty. going to and we're going to spend some time talking to you about your book and your experience writing it, and all things about sleep. So before we jump in, hi Patty, and hi, why don't you, how are you? I'm good. Why don't you tell? Can we tell listeners? everyone what we're wearing tonight, Sandy? Yes. Can we tell everyone. Yes. That for yes. the purpose of premiering the Calm and Cozy Book of Sleep, we are wearing our jammies tonight, which pretty much could go to the grocery store, but we wouldn't tell anyone what we were wearing, if you know what I mean. So just imagine us in our cozy, looks like we're wearing gray, kind of. Um, we'll ask Beth going on whether or not we're wearing the best possible clothes to get a night's sleep, right. and we'll bring that up, but we'll let her know that maybe she could have covered that in her book if she didn't already, but... I am thrilled to be here and jump in on this fantastic book. I'm so glad you brought this to our attention. I have the pleasure of introducing Beth's book, which meant I had a lot to say when I was going through the description. So I want to do this here with lots of detail because I know people are going to pick it up and grab it when they see how many sort of issues in their life, problems perhaps with their health and other aspects of their lifestyle that uh, this lovely book steps into. The Calm and Cozy Book of Sleep, written by Beth Wyatt, steps into the world of story in a very intriguing way. Beth takes apart the stories we tell ourselves about sleep. Some of us have a dysfunctional relationship with sleep, and we've accepted as truth many facts that are working against us having the nourishing sleep we both need and deserve. Beth wants us all to come to see sleep as the ultimate act of self-care. In her, books, she, in her book, she takes on topics, both expected and surprising, and reminds us that so much depends on the quality of our sleeping time. We may not hit on all of the highlights of Beth's book in the recording, so I want to list some topics that she tackles so that you'll dive in on your own. The elements of your sleep environment. Celebrating sleepiness. I love that one. Changing your relationship with your bed. I'll talk about mine. 
peaceful activities in the lead up to bedtime. Do not record a podcast right before bedtime (laughs) to listeners. Sleeping with pets. I will not be giving mine up. And how to not sleep with your partner if necessary for good sleep. Thank you for tackling that one. Using sleep aids. I'm going to let Beth explain what she means by sleep aids. The benefits of napping, also known as doing the Beth thing in the book. Focusing on resting when we can't or we don't or we don't stay asleep. Uh, Managing anxiety and racing thoughts and creating an enjoyable morning routine. The Calm and Cozy Book of Sleep approaches sleep in a fresh, relatable, and non-clinical way. And Beth Wyatt shares tried and true tips to help you fall asleep and stay asleep effortlessly and naturally, and convinces you to learn to love sleep. I'd also like to add that this book is beautiful, truly. It's artistically focused formatting, sleep-inducing colors, wave-like shapes, make it gorgeous to hold in its lovely embossed cover. You really do need to see it for yourselves, everyone. It is so rare in this day and age that a book has this kind of attention to beauty and art. It's as beautiful to hold as it is to get a good night's sleep. Inside and out, I might add, it's end papers, the attention to detail, and the way the formatting runs throughout. This is a gift book as well as a book to read and a book to savor. So I really encourage everyone to get their hands on an actual hard copy of this one, folks. And we're going to ask Beth how to do that when we get to the end of the show. So I'm going to send it over to Sandy to kick it off and we know where she's going. She's asking about COVID. It's so true. We cannot start a podcast right now. It would be weird to not talk about life in a pandemic. I mean, we all know there's a pandemic, right? So let's just go right through it, right to it. And we've been asking this question, but I want to ask a little variation on it for you, Beth. Are you finding that people are struggling with sleep or has quarantine and isolation been a boost to our ability to get more rest? Oh my God, it's been a disaster for people. (laughs) (laughs) I would say like insomnia is at an all-time high right now. It's like people who wouldn't have even considered themselves insomniacs before are now just because they have so much to worry about. Um, they're worrying about their own health, their family's health, their job security, their finances, like paying their mortgage payment. Um, I think, yeah, I think people who I know even personally who never had sleep problems are now asking me questions about sleep. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's a pandemic in itself. It's Mm. a pandemic within a pandemic. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, well said, isn't it? And I always wonder when I use the term insomnia, so to kick off, straighten us out on that, I wonder, is insomnia the not being able to sleep? Is it the not getting to sleep, fall asleep, stay asleep? Can you give us some understanding of it? Or is that just sleep problems? The official definition of insomnia is, okay, I'm paraphrasing horribly, but it's a person who wants to be able to sleep and cannot, but Mm. that's not a full definition to me as someone who has studied insomnia and lived with insomnia symptoms, because there are a lot of people who go to bed and, and lie there for several minutes or 30 minutes to an hour and aren't troubled by it and would not call themselves insomniacs. They would just say, that's how I sleep. It takes me a little while to fall asleep, and that's just me. So an insomniac, really, the trouble, the, the trouble falling asleep, also with the stress of not falling asleep. So someone who has a problem falling asleep and then worries about, oh my God, I have this big day tomorrow. Look at the time. I can't believe I've been lying in bed for an hour. Gets up, flips the pillow over, hits it a few times like that's that's more of a definition of insomnia because that's okay it's not just the not being able to sleep it's the stress surrounding the not being able to sleep yeah thank you for that and it's true i mean we've all experienced some portion of that and you know there's so many uh i said in the intro there's so many stories that we tell ourselves about sleep and i think we we can set ourselves up for a poor night's sleep by in fact worrying about sleep can't we and that's (laughs) where it comes into this health aspect and the anxiety and why is sleep such why do you feel so passionate about why people need to sleep better (laughs) well 
I struggled with my own issues with sleeping. I also didn't really care about sleep for most of my life. I was a night owl and I was very proud to be a night owl. I'm a multi-passionate person, so I guess I always just felt like I would rather be working on a project that I enjoy than sleeping. Um, in my, I would say starting in my late 20s is when I really started struggling with just lying in bed, worrying, um, worrying about things that I didn't even worry about during the day. Uh, so I call that like bedtime anxiety, um, erasing thoughts, living with that for so long, for decades. I'm 41 now and I can confidently <laughs> say it's been several years since I've had those sleep issues, thankfully. But living through my 20s and 30s with those sleep issues really made me passionate about it because I I wasn't hearing about it when I was going through it. I didn't have anywhere to turn for help and I actually didn't even realize it was much of a problem because it yeah. wasn't like we, wellness professionals talk about diet and exercise. No one talks about sleep. It's trendy now, but it was not when I first right. got into the sleep business. So I'm mm -hmm. passionate about making sure that other women, especially who have the same issues I went through, have the help, have somewhere they can go. And it it's really not just has. coaching. It's also like insomnia or um, Instagram, being able to go on Instagram and get free sleep advice. Like that wasn't a thing before. True. <laughs> and it is now. So mm. I think even in just in the last few years, since you and I connected and you started telling me about the work you were doing, it seems like I'm seeing more and more recognition of how important sleep is to our overall health and that it's 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 right up there with diet and exercise for people yeah. it only took 2020 years right <laughs> and the little ariana huffington right yeah. and we can talk about her later but <clears throat> i remember being in new york city a few years ago with another writer and going into the store that was the spin-off from ariana huffington writing a book about sleep i apologize i don't want to quote her title here but I remember the impetus story for her book being so profound to me was that she was so extraordinarily deeply fatigued that she in fact fell over in her office and I believe hit her head. And she then thought, I better go into this level of fatigue and has worked on it ever since. But it's another one of those misconceptions that we have about sleep that we can sleep it off, that one night will in fact restore us, that if we're having a problem today and we don't have a problem tomorrow, that in fact we're fine and it isn't something that we need to address. And do you find the stories people tell themselves, have them put the problem off a little longer before, than they should before they get advice? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people tell themselves that they don't really have time to sleep, that time's a ticking and if you want to achieve your goals sleep is sleep's not your friend sleep's not going to help you achieve your goals it's actually in the way uh, it's a waste of time it's cutting into life and work you talk in the i was just thinking about that because uh, uh the stories we tell ourselves because you talk in your book about um the idea I'm trying to think where it is i was looking at it last night but there's the there's the idea of some people don't need a lot of sleep you know mm -hmm. that belief that and i remember um that there was a study that was done that showed that people with a higher iq need less sleep i don't know if you've ever come across that study but it was i don't know it was about 25 years ago and there was and my husband decided to reverse engineer that so he <laughs> thought if he slept less, his IQ would go. Oh, wow. I love how did that. that. How did that go? Not so well, no. <laughs> it doesn't work. At, in fact, I think the less sleep you have, the stupider you get. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people, and I, I defied that, that story every time, because here I was, and I would say, my God, but everybody told me I have such a high IQ, and I tested, but I need sleep. Like, I truly cannot function without sufficient sleep, and now that I'm an old lady, and I am, I... And I work so, so many hours at a computer with such um, finite wordsmithing. I exhaust myself. I can literally mm. feel when my brain must shut off and go to sleep. So I've decided that I am the exception to the rule, if that's true, Sandy, about the high IQ and the not needing sleep, because that is absolute <laughs> crap. I think I'm reasonably intelligent and I need my sleep. 
Yeah, well, I think this was like before all this sleep research came out and where people, you know, there was, seriously, this was probably 20 or 30 years ago. And now I think we, like we've been saying, we do recognize how important sleep is, not not just to our health, but also I'm sure to our um, ability to think and process in every every part of our bodies. It's restorative and it's it, it brings healing and in all areas of our life. Um, so you've spent a lot of time researching and understanding sleep. So why do you think we need help with that in our culture? Like it seems, I was thinking about this last night when I was, um, going to bed and I was thinking, why do we even need sleep coaches? You know? And then I thought, well, we need people to teach us how to breathe now too. So why wouldn't we need people to help us sleep? It seems like we don't know how to do anything, but what is it about sleep? You think that we've lost like sort of this basic appreciation or understanding of it in our culture? I would say hustle culture probably has a lot to do with it. That's been a big thing in the last couple of years. Um, and I got caught up in it for a few years as well when I started my business. But the idea that um, if you're not hustling, then you're, you're not um, living up to your potential. And is it this productivity obsession? Like you said, the yeah. time is ticking, right? So yeah. we're always judging, what should I be spending my time doing? I should be spending my time being more productive, squeezing in another client, producing another yeah. hat, producing another something rather than going to sleep. And I suppose you're the expert to tell us, how long can we go on before we're really in trouble? Before we see health problems, brain function problems, mood disorders, anxiety, relationship problems? Oh, I think we're already in the middle of all that right now. Mm -hmm. um, so many, I mean, we, we recognize more of those issues now. I think we're more self-aware, um, just even with um, mental health, being able to put a name to different issues that people are having, where before it, it, no one really talked about it or it was taboo. And now people wanting to, wanting to, be diagnosed with something because they're more educated that these things are out there and that it's a problem. But I, sure. I think that a lot of this is, yeah, I think we're right in the middle of our big sleep problem <laughs> right now. Are you open to Sandy and I talking about our sleep and see if you can sort of point fingers at the things that we're doing wrong? <laughs> you, so, oh, so that I, would be I don't great. Want to judge you. Let's do that. No, it's not the judgment. It's the are there things that we could be doing? And I'll tell you, this is something I have had to work on and fiercely protect. And I don't do as good a job of, uh, I don't do that as well as I possibly could because I did go through a period of time where I couldn't fall asleep, couldn't stay asleep. And I'll tell you, I was, I felt like I was the most productive I'd been in my life until it, as it were, caught up with me. And I had to do things. And I'll tell you one of the things I do, and I love this part of your book, you know, tell your bed, you love your bed. And I love my bed. So, and I sometimes will even say, oh, I just totally love my bed. Every time I get in my bed, I snuggle into my sheets, not the same Egyptian sheets I'm struggling with, like your aunt in the book. I love <laughs> the stories that you speckle in there for us. You do a beautiful, artful job of editing those in. <laughs> but I crawl in and I say, I love my bed. And part of that I know is that deep exhaustion. And in the book, you encourage us to know when we're sleepy and you want us to celebrate sleepiness as you say, because it is an invitation to then go to sleep. You feel the eyes getting heavier. You feel that, that general heaviness. Go to bed when you start feeling the sleepiness coming on, right? And I'll tell you that I don't do that as often as I should, but I sure did change my sleep environment. I did invest in good sheets. I got sheets that feel like butter. In fact, I got t-shirt sheets for the first time. That, that felt exactly right to me. And I realized that loving the way the sheets felt was at least the number one thing I could do for myself. And it wasn't beautiful bedding. It was bedding that made sense to me. I love heaps of blankets. I bought myself um, the heavy weighted blanket that I sleep under the weighted blanket in winter. And yes, I do sleep with my pets, but they have a place to sleep in the room so that they don't have to be on me all the time. Those are some of the things that I had to do. And uh, I'm sleeping much better. How about you, Sandy? Any confessions about sleep? <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking I don't sleep well in the summer. 
at all. Like mm-hmm. I like to be cold. I like to be cool. I like to have a window open. I don't like to have a fan going in my room. I just, I don't like that white noise. So um, I, I'm not doing well in sleeping in the summer. Like they, uh, a couple of nights ago when we had a really cool night and I could have my window open, I just slept so well. Yes. So I'm just kind of convinced that, you know, June and, or July and August, I'm going to just struggle with sleeping in it's light in the morning. I get up early. It's just, it's not my time. I noticed that I sleep way better and way longer in the winter. Like it's mm. just, in January, I'm just like a bear. Like I'm in bed like at 10 o'clock and I could sleep till 7, 7.30. Just, I love it. I'm just cozy cuddled up in my my blanket. But in the summer, yeah, I'm sweating, I'm hot, I'm just tossing and turning. So I don't know if that's a thing, if people sleep in different seasons, if that impacts us. But for me, this isn't my dream time of year to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at least you're aware that, that that's you and that's how you sleep. Yeah. Because my yeah. main message with sleep and in my book and in my podcast and everything is your, the things you're telling yourself and your mindset about sleep. And I think when you can remove the what's wrong with me or I sleep terribly, like all those and the negative thoughts and the negative things that we tell ourselves about sleep, if we can remove those, we're going to improve our sleep. And if like going into anything, believing it's going to be awful is likely going to make it awful. So the fact that you're even saying like, you know, that's just me. Like it it just happens that way. And that's, that's, that's how it goes. Like that's, (laughs) that's the perfect attitude because at least you're not complaining about it and dreading it or being negative about it. You're just saying you're accepting it and moving on. Yeah. It also it it also means sticking up for your sleep a little bit too, championing <laughs> your sleep. And I, I think that's something that you do talk about in the book really well about being the person that says, No, I really do want my sleep, being prideful about the fact that you need it and when you get it, you are a much better person. Um, you know, all of us remember what it's like to have young children and not sleeping. We know what it was like to have jobs that got us up for early shifts in the day. And we know what it was like to literally be without sleep when we couldn't have it. There is a, that horrible feeling of, I really want to go to bed and I can't. Mm. And I think the mental state of mm-hmm. going to sleep, or the mental state, the mental state of getting to bed is so critical. And I have a problem with that. I don't plan my evening around my bedtime routine. I go from, I'll be working and I suddenly feel like, okay, I'm not productive anymore. I close my laptop five minutes later, I'm in bed. So I know that the rituals and routines that you raise in your book are the part that I will go back to most often now, because I don't put myself into the right frame of mind to go to sleep. And I'm that person who expects it to happen fast. Right now it does, but six months from now, two days from now, it might not. And I'm I, just going to jump jump in here, Patty, because I actually uh, recorded a podcast episode with Beth on her podcast about bedtime rituals. <laughs> I am super big on rituals, as you know, and I I think that will really help you, like just to take okay even ten minutes. Go back and listen to that episode, okay, and um, put some like. I love the essential oils. I do that every night. Pillow spray. I roll some oil on. I always, I always put chap lip on, like like a okay. lip balm on. Mm. I find that it's like I can't sleep without that. It's like my cue. Mm-hmm. Is but right. Well, yeah, and, and you're telling we your brain. It. You're, yeah, it's, you're by repeating this ritual every evening. You're telling your brain and your body, oh, we're getting ready for bed now. Like, yeah, I do. I do start my essential oil diffuser. I know that's my cue, and the other cue is, and I'm sure the listeners want to hear this, but I am. I'm an audiobook junkie, and I was telling Beth before we started that although, and I read two books a week, and I I'm clearly work too much, but the audiobooks were my answer to learning to fall asleep again when I think the M word started, when menopause started for me, super, super young, um, I needed to realize that something had to take my brain down a level. And meditation software, um, meditation apps didn't sustain me long enough. I'd still be lying there. 
And then it was, what am I going to do? Put a meditation app on for 35 minutes. So I tried having a mindless book talk to me. So I hate to say it, but I started with F. Scott Fitzgerald. Not that it's mindless, but because I had read the book so many times, I knew I wouldn't be analyzing them. It wouldn't require my thinking. So, you know, as, as in addition to the ablutions of hair, face, and brushing teeth and all of that, I started with the I put the diffuser on because it has a lovely blue light that I would have on in my bathroom and I could t- control the light because brightness was my enemy and uh, an audiobook. So, I mean, do you have a list of bedtime essentials, Beth, that you would give to people who are searching like I was? Did Sandy hit on most of them maybe in the ritual? <laughs> and that's okay. Well, yeah, and you did as well when you um, first started talking about the different things we can do as a routine. I find that most people do have a problem with this because we're just so chronically busy. Not a lot of people have an hour set aside to prepare for bed. That's just not something that most people have in their daily schedule is a block of an hour. So I really try to encourage people to not focus on really a set amount of time, but even just focus on okay, if you've got 20 minutes, you've got 10 minutes. What can you do during that time that can be your ritual? Like I have a very short chapter in my book, um, I believe called like uh, rituals for very busy people. Mm -hmm. And that's my answer to like people who don't have an hour is what are the things that you do before bed without fail? Hopefully at least brush your teeth. (laughs) <laughs> or like wash your face what <laughs> a lot of like as women like when we wash our face we put our hair that's bossy <laughs> <laughs> we use different <laughs> we use different products on our skin or um on our teeth hopefully everybody brush your teeth i'm not a tooth person but um a tooth coach <laughs> but if if you were to think about the things like the three to five things you do every night um, you usually change your clothes you get into something cozier your pajamas or just take everything off and sleep naked those things that you do without fail every night can be your ritual you just slow them down a little or put some music on or listen to something calming or do some breathing exercises while you do it just slow down your breathing um make it more methodical like when you're washing your face actually like focus on what's happening to my skin right now as i'm doing this like slowing it down trying to make it as slow and calm and enjoyable as possible and there's your routine it doesn't have to be 20 minutes of reading then your alarm goes off now it's time to do your 10 minutes of meditation now it's time to do this now it's time for your self foot massage for 10 minutes like right (laughs) The things is, that you're doing right now can be your routine. Just pay attention is this the to kind of Is this the kind of scenario that a client would bring to you in your sleep coaching practice? Is this how it would go? You know, someone knows, I'm sure it takes a while to figure out they need help and that someone with your talents exists. Is this the kind of thing that happens? What does it look like for you when um, a client shows up, when someone shows up with challenges? Do they walk in and say, listen, I'm feeling like crap? Or do they come in knowing what the problem is for them? Most people know that they need to be doing, just need help doing it or doing those things. It's usually more than one. If someone comes to me and they have no idea what the issue is, they should be going to a doctor, not to a coach. Got it. They should be talking to their medical professional about having a sleep test done, an overnight sleep test, um, because a doctor really needs to diagnose what the issue is or what the underlying issue is are as a coach i'm more of the person who works with someone who's working with the doctor or someone who knows that their sleep issues are not caused by a medical problem they're caused by just something that they're not doing or they they're they have a bad habit and they're aware of it and they just need some accountability and some help to kick the bad habit so those are more of the kind of people that i'm working with Um, also there's, I know every coach works with mindset in whatever, you know, niche they're working in and mindset is huge for me. So, and with clients. So that's usually, um, another thing that I work with them on is 
letting them understand that the more that they appreciate sleep and all it's doing for their brain and for their body, the better their sleep's going to get. Because the more you're going to want to spend time sleeping because you appreciate it and you know all the amazing things that are happening while you're sleeping. Patty just mentioned that she listens to audiobooks and that helps her to sleep. And I right away thought about your unintended request from people who listen to your podcast because your voice is so soothing and how you started actually recording bedtime stories and you had a separate podcast for a while where you would read bedtime stories to people and it was beautiful and I would love for our listeners to hear you read a little bit from your book and just hear Mm. that kind of calm voice that you have because you just have that lovely relaxing sound in your voice so would you read something from your book I will. So much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) You should hear it when I have a cold. It actually sounds, it sounds like a phone sex voice. Mm, That's a different sleeping mechanism. Yeah. (laughs) That's a different before bed kind of routine that we won't. Another ritual. Next book. Um, I have actually, I have one page of my book that is my favorite page. And I lovely. Is it because of what it looks like or the content? No, it is. It's lovely when you have a favorite. And I mean, you can show it to us, but can you describe what it looks like? Because the look and feel of your book, I found to be so powerful. And by the way, I did see the ebook, but it is formatted and gorgeous because it's not, it's not just white. So those of you who do get the ebook, although I'm going to pressure you that you're going to want to see the cover and feel the cover, it's stunning even in ebook form. Ah, thank you. I wish I could take credit for all of that. Um, I love it. And it's the perfect size too. It's easy yes, it to is. hold and read because it's not like an eight, you know, eight and a half by 11 book. It's, it's short and easy to read, but it's also easy to hold in your hands. And it's like a take with you kind of book. I love it. I just sit and look at it mm. for longer than I should on many occasions. Um, my favorite page in the book Actually, I'll tell you just the short story of how it got in the book. It was during the editing process, a question that was posed by one of the editors. This was my response. And after I wrote it, I actually, when, when you edit the book, the editors put little notes on the side of the page. So whenever they change something or they want to add something, they put a little note and they'd ask me a question or they'd say like, does this need to be here? Or should this be a plural or should this like growth hormone, should this be growth hormones or is this actually just one hormone? So those kind of little questions and changes. And you should mention growth hormones. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't want to talk about growth hormones. <laughs> um, I, the science part of, of the book is my least favorite. I like all the, um, you know, like the, Woohoo kind of stuff. The stuff about loving sleep is my favorite part of the book. Um, the science stuff had to go in uh, so that it was well-rounded. But so one of the questions that the editors asked was, I was talking about calculating your bedtime and how when we sleep, our body, our mind and body cycle through the sleep stages and how you want to make sure you're getting enough of each of the stages. So her question was um, something like, what about people who claim that they can function on less sleep? And when I first read it, I had a little bit of like a, like, are you, you challenging me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what's this about? And then when I sat down and really started responding to the question, I was enjoying the thoughts as they were coming out as they were as I was typing them I was thinking this is really good and I actually in the note beside what I wrote added I really like this section I know it needs to be edited but can we keep it in the book and what I love about it is they put it on its own page and put it in a box that was a different color with its own little special title so (laughs) it definitely stayed in the book and it was featured on its own page. So I love that they did that. I felt like they honored my um, response to the question. So that's the one that I want to read. And it's quite short, but the question is, do some people require less sleep? 
There's a very small percentage of people on the planet who claim they can function on less sleep than the rest of us. Do they possess a superhuman strength that has yet to be discovered? Studies are currently being done at the University of California on a genetic mutation that allows people to feel fully rested on less than six hours of sleep per night. The study sounds interesting, but raises the question, is the idea of less rest a good thing? Does our overworked, overextended, hustle-obsessed society need yet another excuse to forego stillness and rejuvenation of the mind and body just because we can? If so, meditation and mindfulness practices wouldn't be as wildly popular as they are today. With the rise of minimalism, and the constant focus on the decluttering of our homes and minds, many people are linking happiness with seeking less, not more. As a society, we are already chronically busy and stressed, and less time for rest is not the solution. And that was my answer to that one. Lovely. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that and um, it is, we, we do, we'd like to be busy. We'd like to talk about how much time we're working on things or how much time we're doing things. So I thought that was a great response to that question mm-hmm. because why would we even want to get less sleep? Yeah. Right. Right. And that's it. And that's, that to me is the really powerful piece that came up many times in my life where I grew up in a family that was convinced that if you were in bed and not asleep, you were wasting time. It's this relationship with time. But I also found that sleep has a sort of language around it that can be taken negatively. And, uh, you know, language being how I make my living, I suppose I, you, we always see what we want to hear the most. But I was impacted by the reminders about language in your book. And I alluded to this when I talked about loving my bed. But you remind us not to bash our sleep, not to bash our bed, not to, not to dismiss in any way the importance of, oh, so-and-so does nothing but sleep, you know, so-and-so has to sleep in. Oh, what? You need nine hours of sleep as if there's something wrong. I mean, why wouldn't we want to get a good night's sleep is what I asked myself. I, and I warned you about the I love my bed, but I really had to change my language about sleep and I had to declare and champion the fact that I need to go to bed. And until I started doing that, I wasn't sleeping enough. I was one of those people that was, you know, ashamed if I slept in and what a terrible way to grow up. Right. You tell Mm -hmm. a great story about your aunt. Can we go into the the stories? (laughs) I love the way you do weave your stories into this. And I love that you felt validated and credible writing your book because you had gone through periods of insomnia in your life and the best lessons are taught by those who learn it first themselves you mentioned about your aunt who had to talk herself into loving the expensive sheets that she'd gone back to the store more than once. And she got herself the expensive, I think they were Egyptian cotton sheets. She put it off. She did not want to spend that. She got into the sheets. She readies to settle in to see what the big halal is about. And she says, these aren't that great. I want my crisp (laughs) sheets back. But then she had purchased the sheets, washed them, and she'd committed to the sheets. She had to talk herself into loving the sheets. And it's both a lesson that we can talk ourselves into or out of anything, but in sleep in particular, we can shift the mindset just with language, if nothing else, around our sleep patterns and our nighttime rituals, can't we? Oh, we definitely can. That's what my whole book is about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. The, uh, the demonizing of sleep is part of the busyness culture and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, right? It's like, what do you mean you go to bed at nine o'clock? And I hear people of any age demeaning one another for going to bed so-called early. There's no going to bed early. There is only going to bed. And yeah. it's, uh, it's become part of the culture and breaks my heart. Why, why are we still surprised that we're tired at night? Like, are we not used to after all these decades of living in our bodies are we still so surprised that around nine o'clock ten o'clock we start to yawn because people actually will voice oh my god why am i yawning yes seriously do i have to explain it to you this happens every single night of your life you're still surprised (laughs) 
<laughs> I love your line in the book about where you say there's a reason why babies sleep a lot. You know, your brain needs it. Mm-hmm. And you're, yeah, that's that moment where your sense of humor comes in here. One of the pieces I, that, uh, yeah, sorry, Sandy, go ahead. No, I just say, I love the story about the woman who just ghosts everyone and just yeah. goes off to bed. Cause I thought, <laughs> Oh, I so related to that. When I go away with a group of uh, friends and you know, you're at a cottage or something and it's like, nine o'clock and some of them are just ramping up and I'm mm-hmm. like this is not oh, good yeah. <laughs> and so right. I I am that person who I just am like well you know I just have to go in my room and get something yeah. and I never right. come back. gone since we're on the subject of stories Beth can I make you tell us the story that you you allude to in the acknowledgments yes I'm the geek that reads the acknowledgments first and I did in this case too even though it meant scrolling to the end the story about how you were approached about writing the book tell us your unconventional publishing story okay it's a fun it's a fun story um, it was quite surprising it started with a uh, DM like a direct message on Instagram that said I'm a publisher with Quarto I think you have a it was something and again I'm paraphrasing in a rather horrible way um, I love your you have a great message and voice I think you'd be great at writing a book on sleep if you're interested he's here's my email address so my first response was like I laughed and thought it was spam and then I read it again and went, I don't know, maybe it's legit. I showed my phone to Jake. I think I just handed it to him and said, what do you think about that? And he went, well, it kind of looks like someone wants you to write a book, but maybe you should look up the publisher and see if it's a legit <laughs> publisher. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it wasn't a publisher who like worked in their basement. Like I wanted it to be a legit publisher, right? So I looked them up and yeah, they're legit. They're in New York and um, they're one of the top publishers for uh, nonfiction books and children's books. So, uh, okay. And then I started to really believe that this could be true. So <laughs> I emailed her and the process started with the mm. the calls and i really i in my business and my life i struggle with self self doubt so really my first reactions to most of this was like yeah, i don't i don't know why you're As if. i'm not sure if this will work and it's probably not going to work out but it's nice to be asked it's just nice to be nominated i don't even need to win <laughs> They like me. They really like me. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I was approached on Instagram. And really, I was telling people, I must be doing something right with all the things that I think I'm not doing right. I'm doing something right because someone thought I would be good at writing a book. And I remember her exact words when I spoke to her on the phone was, um, I believe that you can be one of the first people to write an interesting book on sleep. And I went, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. a beautiful yeah. book too yeah absolutely <laughs> and you know there are sto- there are stories like that but you know like the stories we tell ourselves about sleep we expect the negative rather than celebrate <laughs> the positive right and you're holding that uh, you're holding a beautiful book in your hand so congratulations on that way to go yeah. hearing the positive in the story rather than just saying it was nothing yeah yeah, very much. Well, this has been great. And I, uh, we're going to put the links to your previous interviews on Reframe Your Life as well. So our guests can listen to it. But before we go, we also start with a question and we end with a few questions. So um, we're going to start with what is your favorite memoir or book? This is a tough question because I do read quite a lot of books. The first one that came to mind was Committed by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's the follow-up. Said no one ever. I know. It's the... (laughs) I've read it. I've read it. Okay. It's the follow-up that nobody knows. I'm eating eating my post-it notes right now, folks. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) I never read Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. You know what? I went right to Committed. (laughs) I enjoyed Eat, Pray, Love, but to me committed was where I was at in my life as well being in a relationship like a 
a great loving long-term relationship and just not sure what marriage would mean at that time and if it was even if there was even a point Fantastic. <laughs> I think you get to a point where you're like is there even a point to getting a piece of paper at this at this stage yep. so she it the follow-up to eat pray love is about her struggling with her own ideas of marriage and if she wanted to be married again mm-hmm. so she as a writer like researched marriage and what it used to be and what it is now and kind of talked herself into deciding this could be for her after all that's fantastic thanks for that (laughs) yeah do you have another book planned for you i mean i know that your book just came out and this is you know the cardinal (laughs) sin of writerdom that we're always the next the next person um to come up you know you can shoot but i'm gonna ask it like there's still so much to say on sleep isn't there There is, but I feel like I've, I kind of feel like I've said what I wanted to say about sleep. Um, I'm also very passionate about the mornings, morning routines. Mm. And um, I feel like if this book really helps people get the sleep they need, then maybe with the next one, I can help them enjoy their sleep and then wake up to also an enjoyable morning. Oh, I love and that. I, I do believe that both of them go together. I think that you're going to look forward to going to bed if you look forward to what's coming. That's quite true. <laughs> so Very I'd be true. open to writing a book on morning routines. Also, self-care is one of my favorite topics as well. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. So I could use a book personally. <laughs> what book do you recommend more than any other? Do you have a, a sleep, a, a self-care manual? Have you got a self-care manifesto of someone's that you recommend um not really i would say (laughs) the book i recommend to most people has nothing to do with sleep or self-care okay tell us tell us it's called we need to talk oh i love that book conversations that matter celeste headley or headley headley Mm -hmm. i love that book i listened it was actually an audible Um, download that I did so I listened to the audio version on the way to the cottage and was like nodding my head and laughing and thinking about people that should read this and I tell everybody to read it because especially like we're in a time right now where if someone's opinion doesn't jive with yours there's an argument like people are not open to the fact that we're all different and have our own opinions and Mm -hmm. I think that book was excellent at making it clear that you can still love someone and disagree with them at the same time. Good. It's having difficult conversations. Yes. Yeah. And my favorite part of the book was when it was talking about when someone that someone is venting to you, someone is going through a hard time and they're telling you how difficult it is, how your job is just to listen, not to tell them your story about the time that you were hurting too, because (laughs) that it's taking away from them and is making it all about you. And beautiful. when someone is speaking, we think we're listening, but we're usually thinking about the thing that we're going to say as soon as there's mm-hmm. a pause. And this book really opened my eyes to, I'm not listening properly to people. I mm. think I am, I'm hearing them, but I'm not listening. Well, like, I'm going to wait. Diligently. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for Sandy to let me know whether or not when you guys are having your business BFF meetings, whether or not you're a better listener. <laughs> no, I, and all joking aside, you know, that is without a doubt so essential for our time and so essential for relationships right now, which are encumbered by the strain that so many of us are under. We really do just have to hear one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually have not read that book and I'm going to look that up. Thank you. You should. It's excellent. <laughs> so just to wrap us up, how can people connect with you? We talked about that beautiful website and where oh. do people find you and where do you like to hang out on social media? <laughs> Thanks. I'm obsessed with my website design. I do it all myself. So um, I spend hours a day probably and I shouldn't spend that much time. But Sleep Coach Beth on pretty much everything. Sleepcoachbeth.com is my website. Uh, at Sleep Coach Beth on Instagram, Facebook, Sleep Coach Beth. 
<laughs> than the Common Cozy podcast and the Common Cozy Book of Sleep. In an after conversation, Sandy and I asked Beth more about her book design because it really was so unique. And I often lament the fact that very little is spent on book covers, end papers, etc. Hardback books are actually not produced as frequently as they are. Beth, who designed the book? Did you have input? Where did the design idea come from? I mean, it really is a standalone, one-of-a-kind book. Well, thank you. I'm an artist, and I was a graphic design student, and I had absolutely no say in the design of the book. <laughs> None whatsoever. Not that I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't asked. It's not that I didn't offer and I was rejected. It just was not, my job was to write the book. And I'm very grateful for that. There was the artist part of me that really would have loved to have had a say in the look of the pages and the cover. It was sent to me and I loved it. And I was instantly so happy that it wasn't up to me to do the design of the book. In the same way that the name of the book was not my choice either, but I'm so glad I left it to the professionals <laughs> because I can write the book, but I am not a book designer. Um, Space Frog Designs, mm -hmm. they did the artwork for the front and each chapter separated by gorgeous designs um, mm -hmm. with stars with, and moons and with water. With a quote and, and yeah. each one is different and it has a quotation yeah. from somewhere, yes. Those are Space Frog Designs as well. I found them on Instagram and they sell their prints online in many different places and I'm going to be buying them for my wall. But Gorgeous. The, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that someone else named it and designed it because those are the two things that I get the most compliments on. Mm. And they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Absolutely. People you only have those, you'll, you'll get more compliments on the content now that people can read yeah. it, not just see it, right? Yeah. People who picked up the book who don't even have sleep issues said they did because of the beautiful cover and they love the name. So whatever mm. it takes to get it into your reader's hands, I say, yeah. thank you for adding <laughs> that. It really is. It really is spectacular. I can honestly say, I don't think I've seen a book like it. I wish I could take credit for it, but I, that's why I always just say, thank you. I know it is so beautiful mm. <laughs> because I'm how not often being do you, How often do you see gold? And I said, you know, it's mountains and waves mm. and the colors that you actually suggest are good for a room when you sleep. So oh, yeah. it's my it, all, it, all looks, it looks impeccably intentional. Yeah, it's all the colors of my branding and I don't know that they did it on purpose. It just was already calming and I plan on tattooing doing this design somewhere in my body. And at oh, least we look forward place. to having you back and hearing about that. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Thank you. If you've been enjoying this series on memoir writers and authors, please do us a favor and share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate all of your feedback and we look forward to getting this podcast out to more people so we can promote the work of these great authors that we've been interviewing. Thank you.